Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or reading recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth, and I almost just burped on the microphone. Um, this week we're talking about The Return of Adrian Lynn, a trans post-apocalyptic extreme horror book, mm-hmm. Porn and Gore, The Unnamed <laughs> Footage Festival, and a true-ish folk horror. We are just covering all the bases we're this week, it feels like. All over the place. Every week. I'm always so impressed. I say this every time, but we just... But I, I want to hear about the return of Adrian Lin, our boy, who did that sad fucking Diane Lane erotic horror movie. What was that, what was that called again? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. <laughs> I mean, this is the man that, you know, has done Jacob's Ladder, Flashdance, Decent Proposal, Fatal Attraction, Unfaithful, Nine and a Half Weeks, so many. And then he hasn't done anything since Unfaithful. And he's back. And... Oh boy, Mary Beth. I don't know what to say about this movie, actually. Oh. <laughs> so the movie we talk about is Deep Water, the uh sad flick and Anna de Armas uh romance movie. Uh erotic thriller. Romance is a stretch too far. Erotic thriller. Although kind of a romance too, in a weird kind of fucked up way. About a well-to-do husband. Who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce, I guess is what the, the uh, tagline says, although that's never clear in the movie. And he becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. Sounds like an erotic-ass thriller. Yes. And this is the one that I, I think we actually talked a little bit about the trailer on the podcast. Did we? Or did we talk about it before we recorded? The very sexy did. trailer that Hulu put up? I think we did talk about it for a hot second, I feel like. Well, a lot of that was missing in this film. No! That's such a bummer! A trailer was so good! Rip. And, okay, so this movie movie is wild, uh, because 
and not wild and like a wild things wild wild and like a I don't know I don't when I tell you who wrote the screenplay I know who wrote the screenplay so but there's two writers there's two writers the first one is Zach Helm who is known for being the writer for Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium and Stranger Than Fiction and then it's also Sam Levinson who is known for Euphoria and Assassination Nation and it's based very loosely I guess on a book by Patricia Highsmith who again is known for writing the talented Mr. Ripley, Strangers on a Train, Carol, uh well the book the the book that Carol was based on. What was it called? I forget what the movie what the book was was based I on. Forgot. But uh, so I think but I I want to focus on the fact that this was written by Mr. Magor- Magorium's Wonder Emporium and Euphoria writers. Like what? And I feel like that that is is kind of what is what is the problem with this film because I, basically, the I mean, I wrote, read the plot synopsis, but basically, Ben Affleck is a genius who created a chip that is now used in a drone that kills people <laughs> overseas, which is a point of contention because his wife, uh, Melinda, is always bringing it up and throwing it in his face that his drone, that his chip kills people overseas. <laughs> um, so that's the start of it. <laughs> He also has an obsession with snails. He has like a little greenhouse-ish thing out back that is full of little aquariums where he like raises snails. At one point, one of um, Melinda's lovers played by uh, Finn Whitrock of um, Dandy and American Horror Story fame. Oh. um, Wants to go out back and steal some of the snails and then cook them. And he's like, no, you can't do that. And he's like, "What, what are they? Are they pets? He's like, they're not for eating. But we never really know what they're there for. I guess he just wants to tend them. I don't know. I think he's a sad man that just wants to take care of his little snails in peace. I mean, I get it. I get that. And his beautiful daughter, Trixie, who is a delight in this movie. Okay, the kids in this movie, I feel like, are named after, like, dogs. Because we have Trixie, and then there's another one that that we meet later, someone else's kid. And I can't remember what her name was, but it was another dog. name that sounds like a dog's name. I wish. I was I was talking with my roommate, and she's like, "Who names their kid Trixie?" And I was like, "Unless your last name is Mattel, no one." But these people are like rich. These people are are like high society rich, and to the point that like I can't relate. They just party all the time. Like the, all, all the like interactions with them and their and their neighbors are like partying in a, in a pool or just having drinks or playing some weird ass game where they're crawling on on the ground with um a like brandy cup on their back full of alcohol that they don't want to spill like what is this life who are these people it takes it takes place in like where it was filmed in louisiana it looks like it was filmed in uh the big city there that i can't think of the name new orleans yes it looks like it was filmed in new orleans good lord this has been a week um it's like, why can't I think of I was on a fucking town? delay earlier, so it's like, literally <laughs> my brain was on like a 10 second delay, so it's, we're just uh, doing great. And I, okay, so I guess the problem with the movie is that, yes, he's killing her wife, his wife's lovers. And that's it. Okay. There's that, no twist. There's, no, like, there's that's, no twist. That's there's no drama. No. Sorry for an anti-spoiler, but there's nothing. She's like, upset with him. 
but then she might be a little turned on by it. And then it kind of has like a an ending that sort of I feel is unearned because there's no character beats to like really establish her other than someone who is basically sleeping around on her husband and then throwing it in his face that he's not a man because he's not getting angry that she's sleeping around on him. And then they have weird sex, like not weird, like kinky sex, just like weird anger sex, I guess. I don't know. It's bizarre. It's weird. And it's totally bizarre to the point where they're okay. So this is why the, the writing kind of bothers me because there's a character played by Tracy Letts. Um, the character's name is Don Wilson and he is a noir writer and a crime writer who's working on a screenplay based on his life. And of course, he's the one that's like, he sits in the corner and he gets the shifty eyes of like, hmm, something is going on here. And again, spoiler alert, but at the very end of the film, he's literally like driving in his car, texting his wife, driving madly to escape Ben Affleck, texting his wife and shouting, I know you did it! I know you did it! While he's swerving wildly trying to text on his phone. I'm like, what even is this? And then there's an after credit scene, again, sorry for the spoiler, where it's just little Trixie singing a song in a car. And it's cute. It's adorable. It belongs in a different movie. But I'm like, what is going on in this film? And Mary Beth is just standing, sitting there with like her hand on her head. Like, I don't even know how to react, which I didn't know how to react with this film either. It's wild. It's on Hulu. If you want to okay. spend two hours of your time watching it. All right. Uh... I got nothing. I don't have anything else to say about it. I don't know what to say. I feel like I don't. I can't, I wanted I can't to, add, like, any, I can't I add anything to it. I can't. There's nothing I could possibly say that would add to the things you just described to me. It sounds like a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the only like I don't want to bring up a movie, you know, because we we like to talk about movies that we really liked on this. Yeah. But like I was looking forward to this for a long time because I feel that. I I was hoping that Adrian Lynn, I think Lyne, maybe I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I his 20 years, 20 years. Yeah, that's and a bummer. We've been seeing like you know a little bit of resurgence of some tepid erotic thrillers over the last year. Yeah, and so I was really hoping that this would be like you know a bigger thing. Yeah, Jacob Elordi's in it. Does he fuck Anna Darmus? He does. Good for him. Well, I mean, you never see it, but. That's the problem. So she has these 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 boy toys, and they're all basically young, very young men. And we never see anything from her perspective. It's all from Ben Affleck's perspective. Ew. So we never really see like her having sex with anyone other than him. And I'm like, why are you going to have Jacob Elordi on here and not have like a torrid sex scene? You gotta with him? give me a little. He bit. plays the fucking piano in this. You like, gotta, you gotta hang some dong. Is there any dong? No dongs. No dong. No dong. Breasts. Breasts. Well, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, whatever. No dong. No dong. No butts. No butts. Just boobs. Just her breasts. No. No. Not even like. Not even like. Not even like a little bit of pubic hair. No. Mm. Mm. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Fucked up. Yeah. Wow, that's disappointing. <laughs> But boy, I have like bogarted a lot of our time. So let's move on from that train wreck. I want to hear about this trans post-apocalypse extreme horror book. Okay. So I was in San Francisco last week for a festival, which we will talk about shortly. And one day I had to just some time to kill before an event. And so I walked around, I think it's the Mission District, 
and found a cool bookstore called Borderlands, which is a sci-fi horror bookstore in San Francisco. And I was there and thought, all right, I'm going to buy a book. What's something I've been really looking forward to? And I was browsing everything, and then I found Manhunt, which I've been hearing about. It just came out recently, and I bought it. And I haven't been able to stop reading it. I have not finished it, but I devoured it yesterday when I was on, uh, not yesterday, on Monday, my flight back. I read about half of it. Um, but nice. this is Manhunt. I almost had directed by, uh, written by Gretcher Felker Martin. And it is gross and it is incredible and it is trans horror in a way that I have never read before. Um, it, it takes place. Five years after a virus they call T-Rex has like basically obliterated the male population, it atta- it's a disease that attacks testosterone and turns them into like rabid, basically rabid creatures. So men are mm. monsters, like basically men are monsters. And so in this landscape, you know, women are left, but there's also trans women and trans women have not been affected by it because if they're if they were already taking estrogen it kind of staved off the the virus and mm. so there are trans women and women like women who live and i say they differentiate because in a lot of this book there's also they're fighting men but they're also mostly fighting turfs who are looking to kill all trans women because trans women are wolves in sheep's clothing who could turn on them at any time wow so unfortunately very similar it's like very much what we see today taken to a very Mm. extreme horror context which i think is incredibly important it's incredibly well written like felker martin knows what she's doing she's like i'm not even trying to mince words here and like make this a subtle thing like this is like they're called turfs there isn't some like thinly veiled like Mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just very obvious which is great but which is great though like this is not a book that's trying to like make some subtle metaphor about like the treatment of trans women it's very much just like no this is happening and then there's trans men in it as well which is really interesting so it's kind of taking that kind of one part of the population disappears but it complicates it with like talking about the construction of gender and the weirdness mm. of gender and so it's really <laughs> it's a lot but it's really good. And it's so queer and has a lot of queer sex in it, which is amazing. And it's just really, it's just, it's incredible so far. And I'm curious where it's going to go. It's already pretty fucking violent and pretty fucking nasty and bad things have already happened to everybody. And I'm only halfway through. <laughs> I've been like intrigued because I remember when the cover reveal oh. came out. And it's it's so, so evocative. It's two plums in a in a in a fruit bag, mm-hmm. and one of the plums has a has a bite taken out of it because manhunt manhunters hunt men and they cut off their testicles because they use their testicles to um like trans women and people that need access to testosterone or need access to certain things like I think it's to estrogen. They use their testicles and like eat and boil testicles to get that supplement, as well as harvest their uh, adrenal glands above their kidneys to manufacture estrogen. So women are hunting men for their part, for like their for body parts, so they can continue to manufacture these things. It's wild. Wild. It's fucking wild. But it's really fucking good. Oh yeah. So I, I'm glad to hear that. I've yeah. It's been on my queue to read, so I'm glad to hear that it's good. Yeah. It. It's funny because I was like reading it in the airport. 
<laughs> and like the front cover is like very it's so evocative. evocative. <laughs> and it was like I, I was in I had a layover in Phoenix and it th- this airport was packed with children. Like high school student <laughs> all i could think of is yellow jackets because it was like high school soccer teams going on flights oh. and i was like one of you is yellow jackets don't do it don't do and it and <laughs> i was it was so packed and i was just reading my book and i don't know what any i did not pay attention to one person but i had that fucker open in the middle of a crowded airport i was like i don't give a shit Hell like yeah just, it was incredible but yeah so hell yeah speaking of gore and also maybe the opposite <laughs> end of what you last talked about with Deep Water, Terry, what is this porn and gore? I feel like I know what this porn and gore movie is, but what is it? I'm not going to talk about it too much because I, I feel like I want you to see it and I want to have like a more in-depth conversation about it. But I saw X. I saw Ty West's new film, X, which <laughs> if you don't know, it's set in 1979. A group of young filmmakers uh, have rented a – like – cottage a house that's like a part shack. on like a farm <laughs> looks like yeah. a fucking shack I mean, <laughs> and to film a, a porn and uh the owners of the house do not know what they're doing there they and when they show up they thought they were like renting it to a couple and then like <laughs> multiple couples show up uh <laughs> uh to film this porn there and then the elderly hosts, uh, bad shit happens. I, I don't, like I said, I really would like to have more in-depth conversation when you see it, but I did want to bring this up because I, I know people who probably saw it this weekend. I really loved this movie. This movie actually kind of made me a little sad, um, mm-hmm. because there's this, there's this part where like the older, the elderly woman, um, I, so, to not like be too spoilery, the elderly woman, the, the movie kind of explores like this idea of like youth and sex and also like aging and not having sex. Yeah. For various reasons. And so it plays with that, that thing in such a surprisingly tender way that it actually kind of made me really sad for the villains. I've heard this. But it also has like a really kind of incredibly violent and hilarious third act where at one point one of the characters says ah my hip (laughs) while they're attacking the younger kids so like it has like this almost like tongue-in-cheek like feel to it but it's also very violent there's a part that i actually gasped at there was a very unexpected moment in the film that like i went (gasps) and like you could feel like the oxygen get pulled out of the room it was really it's really well done. It's really good. I really would like to have a more in-depth conversation. So I'm going to table this in lieu of time. And also I want you to be able to see it so we can talk about it a little bit more maybe and do a little spoilery, more spoilery. Yeah. Well, and I didn't fucking see it. And I'm so sad because I was in San Francisco at a film mm-hmm. festival, which is an incredible. Watching a whole lot of movies. Watching a whole lot of other movies. I just didn't get to see X because I was at the unnamed footage festival in San Francisco over the weekend, which was all like screen life, mockumentary, found footage horror. So, mm-hmm. how was it going in person? Because you, because last year it was online only, right? Yeah. So this is their fifth edition, and last year was. Last year they did twenty four hours live stream, so it was mm, that's right twenty four hour live stream festival, and that was like that was what they did because of COVID. And then this year, 
Um, they went back to in person, and th- so they went back mm-hmm. to in person, but they're also having a virtual festival in May. And so oh, okay. the in person had the both the programs are different though. So if you didn't go to in person, you won't see the same movies as they're putting in the online program. So I went in person. Um, Dread Central was their like their media sponsor, um, which was awesome, and so I got to go see a bunch of movies, meet a bunch of people. And it was so much fun because there are so many really cool things happening in found footage right now. And a lot of really cool people working on stuff. And it was really incredible to see what different, like the different perspectives people are taking on found footage and what like they're kind of stretching the bounds of what it means to make a found footage movie. And it's Mm. really, really cool. And like hybrid is becoming a bigger thing too, like found footage narrative together, hybrid kind of that kind of thing to, I talked to one guy about wanting to see how to make found footage more accessible to people who don't like it and leaning into a more hybrid format to kind of cater to both audiences, which was really cool. And his movie was Malibu Horror Story, which is actually really, really fucking cool because his name is Scott Sloan. He started making this movie in like 2009 and it's finally coming out. It's like 10 years in the making. And it was like right when it started making it basically like right when like paranormal activity got popular and then all this like all this shit fell through so the movie ends up becoming a time capsule of found footage over like the the core movie takes is like made in 2009 the frame was made in like 2012 the other parts were made in 2019 so it's like these differently interesting layers of found footage kind of like evolution of it with this movie and so that was really, really interesting to watch. And there's some really good uh, contortionist creature work in it. And it actually is one of the best examples I've seen of how people weave in like typical narrative filmmaking and found footage elements. I haven't seen it done so well. And this was really interesting in how he kind of had like the found footage second screen aspect with someone showing was someone showing their co-host a cut of an episode. So there was like an access point. Oh into it which made a lot of sense and i i was really impressed by that so that was one of the ones i was really i I really enjoyed it has dylan Dylan sprayberry in it which i know him from teen wolf yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay he's a cutie um if it's who i think it is yes there was a lot josh davidson it looks like he's like the on imdb he's the first name so okay i don't know yes yeah yeah yeah. okay i know but so that one was really interesting. Um, our our lovely our friend of the show Robbie's Outwaters played. I'd already seen it, but we got to see it on the big screen, which was incredible because apparently they were playing. Um, a, there was a movie playing. There was a, is the movie theater it was two theaters, so we were in one of the theaters, and the other one was playing like Batman and shit. And they were playing <clears> another movie, and I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it was like a it was like a nineties rom com like. The Outwaters is playing next to it, and we blew the screeching, blew out the theater, and you could hear it in the other movie theater. While people trying to watch this rom com, like the screeching, like screeching creatures and screaming from Robbie and on Inge are just like reverberating through both theaters. It was incredible. And then there, the other two, there's two I really, really, other two I really, really want to talk about. So the first one is called Base, which is it's from 2017. It is a base jumping movie, a base jumping movie. So it's not necessarily found footage. It's all just first person. It's filmed first person. And it is not a documentary, but it could very much be a documentary. Uh, this guy, Richard Perry, followed uh, Jay- this 
base jumper JC, who is a real base jumper, and basically made a character around JC and had this narrative about JC and a friend and base jumping. And all of the footage is first person footage of people jumping off of cliffs, nope. out of airplanes, and like these first person nope. footage of accidents of people crashing and dying. Nope. <laughs> and I saw it in a huge theater, and I was on an edible. <laughs> Oh, Mary Beth, no. <laughs> it was wild. And, like, the story is so disturbing. And, like, it's it's not a horror. It's not a horror movie, but it's a fucking mm-hmm. horror movie. Like, the, the ego and the weird shit that comes out of this movie is just so bizarre. And it was so incredible to watch it on a big screen. And it was just, like, I was shaking after. We were all afterward, like... What the fuck was that? Like it was. I would not be able to do this movie. <laughs> it's a lot. Like it's a lot. And the, the, what was even more fucked up is so JC, who plays himself, basically died in a base jumping accident. Like not long after this movie was finished. Oof. So yeah, that is fucked up. But then my uh, my ultimate biggest big favorite from this movie and if y'all want to see like go to red, red central or go to my letterbox to see everything i watched because i watched like 13 movies in two days so i can't possibly talk about all of them but the one that i absolutely need everyone like i i need everyone to see when this comes out because i don't know when it's going to come out it's called putrefiction a video of nina temich and it is the first found footage movie shot entirely on a 360 camera. Excuse me? Yes. It is shot on a 360 camera, and it takes place in Mexico City, and it's about a young girl who basically gets possessed by an Aztec goddess and is a dancer and goes on a mission for revenge and documents it all on her 360 camera. And it's got Suspiria vibes, like this found footage Suspiria vibes, and it takes place in Mexico City, and it's like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And it is the perfect marriage of like art house bullshit and like A24 horror love. And it... it it was the world premiere. Like 10 people have seen this movie so far. I need, I'm going on like a campaign to get this movie out there because it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. What's it called? It's called, um, putrefi- it's called putrefiction. So it's. Oh, putrefiction. It, putrefiction. Um, it's spelled like it's P U T R E F I X I O N. A video of Nina Temish. Nina, the main character, is played by an actual dancer who's given the camera and basically just, like, does all these really cool dances. Like, it's dancing around Mexico City, both with the static camera and holding it while she's doing flips. So it's a little bit dizzying. But it's so self-aware because there's parts where you're like, what the fuck is this artsy shit? Like, why is the camera just sitting there? And then they pick up the camera and acknowledge immediately, like, why the camera was where it was and that there was a very specific purpose for it. And it's so cool because it plays those expectations. There's a hor- there's um an interview scene that lasts 20 minutes that is probably, like, is probably on par with any torture scene I've seen in a horror movie in terms of what this interview scene is like. It's so good. Wow. It might be overhyped. I don't know. I don't want to overhype, but like it is truly something special. Huh. So. That sounds wild. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get him on the podcast? 
<laughs> May- I I have to I have to like do some emailing about this movie because like again this was the world premiere they submitted it like the day like three days before the deadline was up for the movie the festival they changed the whole schedule to put this movie on a big screen for the festival so like wow yeah so maybe but yeah it's it's incredible like it feels like one of those movies that people are really going to dig when they see it. Sounds like you had a great time mm-hmm. at this festival. Uh, this festival sounds peak Mary Beth, though. <laughs> peak Mary Beth. It was in San Francisco. I met a bunch of found footage people. I got to eat a lot you of... You hang out with Robbie. Yeah, I think it was Robbie, who... Apps, like, there's a there's a tent in the movie, and he brought a tent and destroyed it in front of the theater, and people were just watching him like, what the fuck? And I was like, this is the best guerrilla marketing I've ever seen. <laughs> Just like stabbing a tent and coating it in fake blood. Oh my god! <laughs> Outside Robbie. of the theater on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's amazing. It's incredible. He is an amazing person. I love him. Yes, he is. He, and he was so fun. He bought me whiskey. Uh, I Aww. met some of the cast. It was very fun. We missed you, but, but yeah, I wanted to go. It was a really, it was a really fun time. So I encourage awesome. y'all to. And guys, found footage. That sh- it's that it's that good shit. It's that good shit. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, but um, yeah. So uh, what? What did speaking of? It's not really. It's it's a, it's a documentary. But speaking of found footage, I don't sort know. Of. Ter- so I don't know. What did we watch with fo- our folk horror this week? So we watched uh, based on uh, Maddie Doe's recommendation when she was on our episode. We watched uh, "Belief: The Possession of Janet Moses," which um, is a New Zealand uh, mockumentary document. I don't know what to call it. That's yeah, it's weird. One of my <laughs> me too. My issues me with too. the film, but it is about the real life. Um, I guess we should say murder of Janet Moses, who um, was killed during a four day exorcism ceremony where they kind of drown her. Yes. Accidentally. Kind of. So it's it's so this is interesting because it's it's about the Maori culture and some of the kind of um, traditions. And one of the things that they they talk about here in this is um the the kind of what is eventually what kind of water torture but is this lifting ceremony that they use to exercise demons and they believe that janet was possessed by a lion statue that she had stolen from a hotel and then she started to act um erratically and <sighs> they kind of accidentally kill her but it's it's this is interesting because it's 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 played like a documentary but it's not a documentary because there are people playing these people it's 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 it is like 75% recre- recreation so it's not like that thing in true crime stuff where they have like it's a supplement it's like fully almost a movie with like some talking head interviews kind of pushed in there but even those talking heads are played by actors wait they are oh they are wait really yeah. how did i miss that well they don't present it they don't talk about that but like if you look on the imdb page all of the the cast except for one person who's playing look two people that are playing themselves a lot of this are talking head people it seems wait. like oh 
What? Yeah, like. Wait a second. Spencer, so like, I, I, that's what it, this is what it looks like. It's like they have like person Winham Hammond as Gerald, Ta, Tarug, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, as Shane, um, Martin Gray as police officer, uh, William Davis as John. William Davis is, uh, or John is related to Janet Moses. Like, uh, these people are, <laughs> I think they're just actors. Oh. Like, maybe some of them aren't. I, but, like, I, you look at their credits and some of them have maybe not substantial credits, but credits in acting. Like, one of the teens is in 30 Days of Night. That's a, okay. That's even worse. <laughs> and that's why I have a hard, hard, a hard time with this, because I, I tried digging digging into it, because I was like, okay, is this really a docuseries? Is, because I can't imagine the family being as open as the, as the characters yeah. are in this movie. And there's, I mean, there's one part towards the end where they show, like, actual footage, I believe. And they definitely don't look the same. No, okay, that, thank you. Okay, because I was thinking about that, because there's the end where they're showing the sentencing at the news, and none of the character, mm-hmm. like, none of the people getting sentenced look like the interviewees. And I was like, maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't I don't think I realize that all those, oh, this is not, I don't like that. What? But see, what, what's weird is that you look at, like, like Fantastic Fest's, programming because this this premiered at fantastic fest yeah in 2015 or in the the u.s premiere and it talks about a documentary exploring the tragic deck but i don't think this is a documentary i'm really confused about it if this is a documentary i don't i don't know what a documentary is because yeah i don't i feel as if this is all recreation and not real people like there's a couple there's there's like one person grant burston as self and there's to Marty Carnes as self. And there's like one other person that there's a neighbor that lives next door, um, Viv, who is playing himself. So like there's people in here that are kind of playing themselves, but then there's also people that seem to be real actors yeah, <laughs> with IMDb credits playing people. And so I'm really kind of confused about what part of this is real and what part of it is fake and what part of it is like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, oof, yeah. Oh, that's even, and it's so icky because it's based on a real murder, mm-hmm. and that like makes you that makes me think even more. Like, did you get any kind of permission to talk about this, or like, were you doing this like against family wishes? Because some something that fucked up with my that fucked with my head with watching this movie without I didn't know about any of that shit. Of course, like so great was that this weird push and pull of how convinced well now now i don't even fucking know because i thought they were so convinced that they that she was possessed but now that i know they're fucking actors of course they were gonna act that they were so convinced (laughs) she was possessed so my mind fuck doesn't even valid anymore (laughs) like an idiot well the only reason is i started doing some digging because i was like okay this is a lot more of a documentary than i was expecting like i she had said that it was sort of a documentary and that there was like recreation so i kind of assumed that there'd be rec- you'd be like talking with people about yeah. it and then they would do sort of like that unsolved mysteries true crime like re- recreation of things but the more i started watching it i'm like i don't know how much of this is real people <laughs> yeah yeah okay that sucks 
That kind of invalidates all the other things I was going to say about being fascinated between that, like these things being considered true now and killing people with exorcisms when you think it's actually a spirit and people are still convinced they're possessed, but it's fucking That's a bummer. Yeah, and it, yeah. That sucks. Well. And it's, it's interesting. So it's interesting because it brought to life or brought to like, the wide world, um, it, the idea of, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, makutu, mm-hmm. um, and makutu lifting, which is an actual practice that is, that is performed. And so there's like, there's like aspects of it that I think are really fascinating to see, but then I don't, I don't think she was really possessed in real life. And the, the parents ended up getting, the book thrown at them kind of in the, in the trial. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, but how much of this is, is a, is a fictionalized account Yeah, to make like a horror movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to kill that buzz. (laughs) I don't have anything else to say now. (laughs) I swear to God, I watched it and had like a whole thing planned. And then that just like literally crushes like, that's fucked. Uh, I'm sorry. I should have mentioned it before. You no, I'm glad you. No, I'm glad you told me like live on air. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's fucked. That they didn't make that more apparent, though. Unless I'm dumb, but it sounds like they did not like make that a, a very like apparent. I only was like, I was sitting here going, "These people are very candid." I was like, why are these people that, this candid? Yeah, I was like, you're being very honest about the, your shit. Like, okay, <laughs> like, that's weird, but also fine. But like, I mean, whatever, live your life. And that's why I went to the IMDb page <sighs> and started scrolling through the actors. I was like, wait, is anyone on here playing themselves? <laughs> that's so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I also just like, even, okay, even like that shit aside, I also didn't think it was that good of a movie, so... <laughs> No, I didn't either. Like, it's really sad, but I just, like, didn't think. I was like, this is. Sorry, Maddie. This, this I know, wasn't it. It's just not it. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> that's so fucking funny because I texted you and I was like, this movie's a mind fuck. And you were like, really? Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh. <laughs> You're like, well, this is going to be an interesting like, conversation. I'm to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, you know, I, we, you were, we try to like get things like, like natural on the show, and I, 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 I don't know. I like, I didn't even think about that. Like, you might not have gone down the same rabbit holes that I went down. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the thing. That was the thing that we watched. Uh, we're gonna try something a little different. Hopefully not done. We're going to go back to the fictional folk horror for next week. Um, What are we watching next week for our folk horror journey? We are watching a movie that came out last year. Um, It's on Shudder. And it is called Ro. I'm not 100% sure again how to pronounce it. It's English title, I believe, is Soul. And it is uh, filmed in Malaysia. So we are leaving the West and kind of exploring 
a different aspect of full core, and I'm really excited uh, to see this one. Me too. I've heard about it before, so I'm stoked that we get a chance to check it out. Yeah, same. Um, but who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? On Monday, we are talking to Jasmine Cat from the podcast Girl That's Scary about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, featuring a sweaty Jessica Biel and a uh, wife beater. Talked about this movie before in Little Cuts, but now we go full deep mm-hmm. dive with Jazz and Cat. It's very fun. It really is. They're a delight. Uh, this movie is a lot of fun. Uh, we dig into the sweatiness. We dig mm. into the pits. Mm. We dig into... Pits. <laughs> mm, sweaty bits. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tay's kinks on full display, uh, but here we go. I've deceased. Um, <laughs> listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear Listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or read one of the books or the book I talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should cover? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm McKaylee Dreadful. Of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. <laughs> Please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe. And if you want to get a, horror, a found footage horror recommendation from Mary Beth, give us a review on iTunes. It takes five seconds. Quite literally, you could say, the show is dope. And that's it. That's it. You need to be done. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.